It's time to light your brain and heart on fire. Okay, Google, let's get it. You're listening to the Thomas J. Lyon Podcast. Man, it is windy outside today. Hey, hey, it is Thomas J. Thank you so much for uh, checking out the Thomas J. Lyon Podcast. If it's your first time here, welcome. Really appreciate you stopping by. Uh, the The work never stops. You just heard the phone ding. Um, apologies for that. But hope you're having a fantastic day. It's a windy Saturday uh, afternoon here in uh, upstate New York. We're halfway between uh, Rochester and Buffalo right now, and they're calling for like 70 mile an hour winds. Uh, it's supposed to be like like super crazy, like Wizard of Oz style. Everybody's going to the store and getting their supplies and, and chilling out. So hopefully this is not the last podcast I ever record. But if it is, uh, know that I am well and happy and things are good uh, before this crazy wind comes. Anyway, that being said, hi, welcome to the podcast. Glad you're here. I have an interesting show for you today. Um, recently, I uh, participated uh, in an opportunity to meet several students and have an opportunity to um, talk a little bit about what it is that we do. And as part of that uh, situation, and these were students that are studying uh, various aspects of marketing, digital marketing, etc. And uh, as a part of that, I had an opportunity to connect and have a conversation with uh uh, a friend of mine who was also uh, in the same class, which was great. And, you know, we talk a little bit about what I do uh, frequently, but we don't really get into the nitty gritty. Uh, and for this class, he had some very specific questions to ask me. And as I was answering them, I thought, you know, this would be a really good opportunity to put it in a podcast. So this one's a bit long, folks. It's a little bit, um, <laughs> you know, um, you may, this one might be a couple drives for you or maybe two or three, depending on your commute. But uh, it's full of very, very good information about digital marketing as a career um, and uh, not even just digital marketing, but things that you should look for when making decisions about whether or not to interact with certain people. It's a great interview. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I'm glad to be able to share it with you. Uh, so here it is. Hi, Jay. Thanks for the opportunity to uh, talk to you today. I really appreciate the fact that you uh, thought of me for the interview. So thanks. Definitely. My pleasure, bro. Very good. All right. I'm ready. Ready for your questions. Hammer away. Okay. First, your name is? My name. Thomas J. Lyon. That's Lyon with a Y, not like the animal. And who do you work for? So I have my own company. Um, we're a digital marketing agency. Um, so the name of the company is actually Thomas J. Lyon. We used to be called Lyon Global. Um, but interestingly enough, people uh, people like relationships between people uh, rather than companies. So we recently rebranded, and uh, since I'm the face of the company, that's the name we go with, Thomas J. Lyon. So you're the owner, and you do all the digital marketing for your company? Correct. Owner, operator, um, you know, we have a staff, but I am intimately involved with every single step of the process. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um, how did you get into digital marketing? By accident. Um, funny story. So originally when I uh, was planning on going to college, I was originally trying to go for uh, IT security. Um, uh -huh. Specifically, I wanted to be a uh, professional hacker. Um, and in a way, I was throughout my life. But uh, what ended up happening is I wanted to find a way to actually help people um, you know, making money by, 
um, you know, exploiting weaknesses and vulnerabilities in computer systems is great, but then what's the solution? So I, I kind of fell into working with different business owners on a small scale that their fundamental problem was how do we get more customers? Um, and, and at the time everything was starting, there was this brand new thing called the internet, um, which had not really been taken seriously prior to that, other than to be used for um, email, you know, the old dial up, that kind of BS. Mm-hmm. And nobody was really paying attention to uh, the big, the big bangs like Amazon and uh, some of the others that were starting to really make money um, by using the internet to, to get more customers. So I saw that as an opportunity, uh, an opportunity to not only do it for other people, but to teach people how to do it for themselves. Um, and that's uh, kind of how I fell into it. Okay, that's cool. Um, is there anything that you would do differently with how you started in the industry? Is there anything that I would do differently with how I started? Yes. Um, uh, you, you know, and I, I hate to say it like this, and I'm pretty sure uh, that maybe this is the wrong thing to say, given the context of our interview. However, what I would say is that uh, most education in this arena, uh, as far as a classroom setting, uh, is a waste of time. Um, no offense to anyone who's uh, listening or, or, you know, reading this interview, but things in this industry change so much, so quickly, so rapidly that what you learn this month is not going to be necessarily relevant three months from now. You know, there are the basics, of course, people, you know, consumers are always going to have behaviors that can be modified and make no mistake. That's what being a good marketer is. It is, it is getting people to do something. That's, that's the, that's the core of what marketing is. You know, it's a science. It's the science of getting people to do something doesn't necessarily mean a purchase. Um, So if I had it to do over again, I would have jumped in a little earlier feet first uh, and not spent as much time uh, slowly trying to educate myself because I've been in it for what it's 2021 now. And this started in 1996. So, uh, you know, I'm still learning things. Something new is going to happen 10 minutes from now. And I would not have known about it a month ago. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, how do you spend most of your time during most days as a digital marketer? Uh, so interacting and, and creating engagement with both clients and ourselves. Um, so what does that mean? That means, uh, you know, so let's take a client. One of our clients is a hospital. Um, we actually handle, not only do we handle social media ads for them, um, but we also handle comments, messages, things like that. So creating interaction, both responding to incoming interaction and engagement, as well as trying to generate additional engagement in the community um, by going out and, and strategically commenting, responding, and liking on the client's behalf on other um, social media posts from other people that are relevant to our client. Um, a lot of the time is spent doing that. I, in kind of a, a leadership role, have shifted away from day-to-day uh, stuff in that regard. Um, but the, my hand is still in the pot, so to speak, because it really, you know, 
to generate the results that we do for our clients requires a lot of engagement. Um, so, you know, that, that requires a lot of hands on deck, so to speak on a day to day basis. Okay. All right. Um, can you tell me about a project that you worked on at your product? A product that a project that I have worked on that I am proud of. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, one client comes to mind. So it is a luxury transportation provider. They do uh, limousines and party buses and like stretch limousines and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and they were not. So, so the marketing dollars that they were spending, they were spending a significant amount of marketing dollars on radio, terrestrial radio, meaning you get in your car and turn on the, you know, uh, 102.5 radio station, FM radio. And that's great. And it has been great for a number of years. However, uh, very difficult to track the ROI return on investment for radio ads. Uh, very difficult to understand what an impact uh, those ads are having on your bottom line. Um, so we created a strategy for this client, a very, very targeted strategy. Part of that strategy was identifying where their highest amount of revenue comes from and figuring out ways to target that audience so that could replicate. In this instance, it happened to be weddings. Um, this particular client makes a significant percent of their annual revenue based on uh, revenue from weddings. So we created a very targeted uh, social media ad campaign, including videos. Our video crew went out and shot drone footage. Um, we went out and uh, you know created some really good video ads for them. Uh, and then we targeted those ads specifically uh, Facebook and Instagram. And what we did is we targeted, we hyper-targeted them. So we said, show these ads. And then we selected geographically for this client, which was uh, an obvious. But then we said, show this ad to people between the ages of, I think it was 22 to 50 uh, mm -hmm. that have recently changed their relationship status from in a relationship or single to engaged and because money was a consideration, we also limited it by income. We limited it by the uh, annual reported adjusted gross income by zip code that is used by that's uh, the data comes from the IRS, I believe. Um, so we were able to target specific ads about wedding services to specific people that were looking to get married and potentially were looking uh, for wedding services, dot, 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 and their friends and family. Uh, and the amount of increase that this client got um, when we measured it was was very, very measurable and very, very uh, impactful. Um, so that is something I'm particularly proud of. And that seems that that's the case for a lot of our clients. You know, it, there, there's always this wow moment. Um, you know, they've been spending money on print ads or, uh, you know, spending money on, on, on radio, even local TV, like, you know, after the six o'clock news or the local cable station or whatever. Um, but then when they see what we can do for them with that same amount of money or less, it blows uh -huh. minds. And it really, you know, highlights not necessarily even what we can do, but what digital marketing does uh, for advertising as a whole. Okay. All right. So the next question would be, what do you like and dislike about? See, you're, you're, this question is going to be a little bit different for you than it would be for a regular guy that works at a marketing firm or something, because you're also the owner. 
So my question is, what do you like and dislike about your job? Okay. I want to address the, what you mentioned there in the beginning. So I think what you're going to find is, yes, there are some digital marketing people that work for other people, but once they see the potential, many of them go out and work for themselves. Um, so I'm going to look at this in the context of, of both somebody who works for somebody else and somebody who works for themselves. Uh, when working for somebody else, which I have done, the frustrating part was the fact that I was working for somebody else. Um, you, you know, recognizing the value and recognizing the opportunity to do this, um, there was a very clear um, profitability to it. And, you know, if I'm the one that's doing all the work, why are these people getting all the money? Didn't make sense to me. Um, right. So that is something that in that specific context could be, you know, something bad. Something good is, and this kind of plays uh, both ends against the middle. The good part is when you work for somebody else, oftentimes they've invested in a significant infrastructure. You have the technology, you have different software, you have resources. Typically, you'll have other creative designers that can help you create the content, you know, depending on your role at the agency. Typically, you're either the one, there's really only three roles. There's someone who's selling the client, right? Saying, hey, look at what we can do for you. Sign the dotted line. Let me get your money. Number two, the person who's generating the creative. So writing the words, generating the graphics or the video. And three, the person who's buying the ads. You might have heard the term ad buyer. Those are really the only three roles that are important. And believe it or not, they can be done by one person. Do you have to spread yourself thin? Yes, but you're retaining more of the revenue. I say all that to say this. The good and bad of it is if you're working for somebody else, the good is they've got the infrastructure. You know, they might have more resources than if you're working on your own. Uh, so that's good. The bad part of it is all that revenue is going to go over to uh, the company. Right? right. On the flip side, when you are the owner, operator, uh, and 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 be all, right? And it's interesting I talk about this because now I'm thinking about those who work for me uh, and maybe I should have a conversation and make sure they're not trying to jump ship. But that being said, when you work for yourself, you have to spend that money on that infrastructure. You're spending, you know, money on software and sometimes it's trial and error. I, I mean, we've tried... Uh, no less than 50 different pieces of software to handle the, just the task management of our business before we mm -hmm. found the one that works for us, which is Asana for the record. Um, you know, so there's a lot of different, uh, different things that, that come into play. So right now, the best thing for me is the ability to choose when I work. Uh, it's the ability to control the level of service that clients get, uh, meaning I, I directly impact the satisfaction of the clients you know, if I want to do something above and beyond for somebody, uh, which is the norm for us, I can without getting or having a fear of getting in trouble. The worst part about it is that everything comes to everything's on, on my shoulders, right? Even though there's other people doing things, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, I am responsible for providing business results to the client. Um, and those business results are a direct reflection of how well, we do as a business and that's on me regardless of who I have helping uh, it, that's on me. So uh, that's, it's not really a bad thing because it's very motivational. It's just um, it's something that's always in the back of your mind. Right. Um, right. So, so that would be the bad part, I guess, for me. Okay. Gotcha. 
Um, what advice would you have for someone starting their career in digital marketing? Um, so there is so much advice that I have. I will try to sum it down uh, and narrow it down. The best one. Uh, the best one is actually, I, I hate to say it, I'm going to I'm gonna violate someone's copyright. I'm actually going to share uh, someone else's best piece of advice. Um, and that is uh, to stop caring about what other people think. Because there are going to be many people who do not understand your desire to get into this industry. Um, whether that's your mom, your dad, your spouse, uh, your brother, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, there's going to be people in your life that are going to negatively, they're, they're going to be negative about your decision to do this. Uh, and the bottom line is you cannot pay attention to those people because if you do, um, you're going to sign on to it as well. Uh, and why? Uh, because you want to make people happy. Uh, and that's not what this is about. That's not what life is about. So the biggest piece of advice that I would say is uh, do it. Don't stop when it doesn't work in three weeks or three months or even three years, right? Will you have to do something else to stay afloat? Sure. But the, you know, and, and again, we're looking at it from the two different contexts and through two different lenses as well. Uh, on lens number one, on lens number one, we're looking at it as if you're talking to, or if you're working for somebody else, uh, and that's a completely different story versus if you're working on your own. And let's assume you're working for somebody else. The best part, the best advice I can give you uh, is work for somebody who is a good people person, not necessarily good at what they do. Here's an example of what I mean by that. People, relationships between people, whether it's employee to boss, employee to client, boss to client, whatever, uh, are the most fundamental building block of success. And just because someone is good at welding doesn't mean that they would be a good owner of a welding business and handling employees all the time. They might be a really, really good welder, but it doesn't mean they're a really, really good business person. In fact, I think it's important uh, in leadership roles, uh, you, you know, to get a good understanding of who your boss is going to be and then who are the other leaders at the company. Um, because again, being good at a skill is great. You know, I, I can think of many, many more examples. You can be the best darn, you know, uh, graphic design artist that's ever existed. But right. if you're not good at dealing with people and managing people, then it doesn't matter. In fact, I would say it's more important that your boss and the company you work for's leadership is good at dealing with people and it doesn't matter if they can do graphic design at all or not. That's why they hire people to do that because it's not something that they're doing. They're leading the organization. So you need to work for somebody that's a good leader. And I think, sorry, so long winded on this, but I think that there are many people out there that become good at something, whether it's digital marketing or car repair or cooking or um, fashion or whatever. They think they're good at something so they can then become a successful business owner. And that doesn't always translate, right? You can right. be a good business owner if you're good at business things, right? I'm a great, I feel, I've been told that I'm a great business owner, um, but I'm probably not the best person uh, to do accounting, right? And what do I do? I have someone help me with that. So 
Um, best piece of advice, work for people that are good leaders, um, not people that are necessarily just good at their craft, because then they're always going to be wanting you to do it their way too, by the way. Gotcha. That's a, that's a great, that's a great, that's yeah. a good piece right there. And yeah. there's more than one way to do everything. Always. 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 Many ways to skin a cat. But sorry, Peter. But next question. What type of questions do you usually ask during an interview? What are your top three? When I'm interviewing for somebody to hire me or when I'm interviewing to hire someone? To hire someone. To hire someone. Number one, what are you passionate about? And you know, it's interesting. So you asked for three questions and I'm going to give you three, but I want to go off on a tangent for a minute because that's what I do. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's, I don't ask as many questions about the actual skill as I do about wanting to know who the person is, right? I want to know what motivates them. Why are they looking for a job, right? What, what happened to their last job? Are they just looking for, you know, something where they can come in and punch a clock and go home and get paid for the hours and be happy with that? Or they, do they want something more? I don't want somebody who just wants to punch a clock. I want somebody who wants more. When I hire somebody, I want them to be with me for a year or two tops. And then I want to see them go out on their own and do well. In fact, I plan for that. You know, I want somebody yeah. who wants to come in here and do a really, really good job. And you know what? It's fine. Steal my ideas. It's cool. Take them with you. And I hope, I hope you do better than I do. I, you know, I, I, I hope you do, but what I really, really want is to know what you're passionate about. Number one, number two, uh, and maybe this is num number two, maybe it's really the only uh, real uh, job specific thing. Uh, and you're going to laugh about this and everybody does. I have a real hard time bringing people into an organization like ours that works with business owners and, and, and helps other businesses represent themselves online and other places. I have a real hard time bringing someone in who doesn't know how to spell mm. or, who, or who has improper grammar. You know, I'm not expecting you to be perfect. Nobody's perfect, but it, you know, uh, if we're looking at a, at a, at a, at a game and there's a hundred points, I'd at least like you to have 51 of those points. You know, if right. you're, if you're, if you're on the 49 and the 40 and the 30, eh, it's not going to work. You know, there are tools, Grammarly, spell check, et cetera. Um, but there are no tools for common sense and attention to detail. And when we are creating content for clients, uh, attention to detail is the, not only is it something to worry about, it's the very first thing to worry about. Because if we have a phone number wrong, that means clients don't get their phone calls. If we have a word spelled wrong, it makes our clients look unintelligent. If we uh, put a comma in the wrong place, it makes our clients look as though they're uneducated. So these are very, very important things. And even if it's somebody who's just going to be answering phones, uh, that's very important. Uh, so the second thing that I think that is probably the top is having a, a, making sure that the person has the ability to effectively communicate uh, using English, North American English specifically, because they they teach English all over the world, but it sure isn't always the same English uh, that we use in North America. And it's very, very important that somebody can write, read, speak, and understand when listening 
North American English. Number three, and I think uh, this is interesting. Uh, this is a question that I ask, and I'm going to, it's a long one. And of course, because everything I do is long, but uh, this is a question that I ask, and I will explain to you the reason for the question at the end. This is a question that uh, doesn't have a right or wrong answer, but there is something that I'm looking for. It's a scenario question. What I do is I ask. So, the uh, so ask me the question. Like, ask okay. me the question. Okay. Here's the question. Go for it. I think uh, in previous conversation, you and I might have had this conversation, but I'm going to tell you what it is anyway. Um, I, it's a situational. I explain. I say, okay, let's say I'm your boss. And I assign a project to you. I give you a due date for the project. And I tell Mm -hmm. you it's a secret project. No one else knows about it, including my other managers. Um, And it's something I want you to work on. And it's due by this date. And you say, okay, cool. Um, And you recognize that it's a project that's not going to take you more than a day or two. Um, And we're already, you know, it's a month out or whatever. So you kind of set it aside. That's fine. Um, I go on vacation. Uh, I go on vacation. Uh, I'm somewhere where I'm not reachable by phone, by email. I'm just, you cannot reach me. It's, it's impossible. All of a sudden you remember, cause it pops up on your calendar because you set yourself a reminder. It pops up on your calendar that this project is now due uh, the day that I come back from my vacation. Mm-hmm. But, but we have a critical situation. That, that situation is you forgot what the project was. You wrote it down or took a note or took an email or something, you did the right thing and you were responsible um, and you wrote it down and you knew what the project was. But for whatever reason, that document, that paper, that file is now gone. It's missing. You don't know what it is. And it was over a month ago that we talked about it. So you just forgot about what the product, the project is. You cannot reach me. And remember it's secret. So no one else in the office knows about it. What do you do? That's the question. So you don't have to answer. Uh, let me tell you. Uh, that's, some a, of the, that's a tough question. Right it is here, a man. tough question. Let me tell you some of the answers I've heard, and I'll tell you which one of the answers I've heard uh, is the, the best. Uh, I'll only give you two in the essence of time. The first, uh, one of the most common answers that I get to that question is, well, I would do what I thought the project was. Um, that way it was done by the time you got back. So that's one of the answers that I get. Uh, one of the other answers that I get is I would try to ask around and see if anyone knows about the project. Okay. All right. So I'm going to give you a third one. The third one is I wouldn't do anything. And when you got back, I would come to you and I would apologize and say, I didn't get the project done because I lost it. Uh, and so the first one again is they would do something that they thought it was. The second one was they would ask around and see if anybody knows what it was. And the third one was they're not going to do anything and they're just going to apologize. And the correct answer uh, in, in what I look for is number three, not necessarily in that context, but what I'm looking for is somebody who takes responsibility and accountability for making mistakes because I expect people to make mistakes. I know people will make mistakes. I have made many mistakes, but I want people to take responsibility for it. Am I going to fire someone if they admit they made a mistake? No. If it's a trend, well, that's a different conversation. But if somebody makes a mistake, admit to it. You know, in this situation, if I got back, they said they didn't do it. I Okay, well, let's, you know, this is what it was. Try to get it done as quickly as possible. You know, might, might I be disappointed? Sure, but I won't be disappointed because, uh, they apologized. What would have made me even more disappointed? And I'm over here making hand gestures. You might hear the watch. 
like Mm -hmm. getting really frustrated. What would make me more disappointed was number one and number two. Number one, what do you mean you did something different? Like, oh, I did something that I thought the project was. Oh, so you wasted time doing something that you weren't sure that isn't necessary. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. The second one, I told you the project was a secret and you're going around asking people about it. That's not cool. Yeah, yeah, that's horrible. That was the dumbest answer. Correct. So the the best, you know, you got to choose the best worst case, right? The the best worst case scenario in this situation is don't do anything. Yeah, own it. Yep. And just say, you know what? I'm sorry I made a mistake. What can I do to fix it? What do I, you know, what do I do? And that will go miles and miles and miles farther with me than, uh, you know, trying to make up some bullshit. Oh, I, you know, so whatever, you know, I don't deal with bullshit. I don't deal with people that lie. If you made a mistake, it's fine. Tell me you made a mistake. Um, I also, in that regard, I have no problem hiring someone without an extensive interview process. You ask me what questions I asked in an interview. I'll hire somebody because they make me feel good. They make my stomach feel comfortable with them. But at the same token, I'm quick to hire, but I'm also quick to fire. Right. You know, correct. Because if I hire someone on that gut feeling and it ends up not working out, there's that's nobody's, that's not that person's fault. It's my fault. It's my fault for making that decision and trusting in them. That was my misjudgment of character. That's not their fault because they are who they are. They're, right. they're, they're the same person. So I have to quickly correct that decision and, and, and part ways. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. And then I have one last question for you. Okay. And as a future digital marketer, what companies do you believe I should look at that set a good example? Based on geographically where you are? Based on whatever rubric you want. Well, there's Thomas J. Lyon. Obviously, you know, I'm staying checking you out. <laughs> um, but in addition to that, you know, I think some real leaders in the industry, one of them is going to be obvious and the other one, perhaps not so obvious. The first obvious one is VaynerMedia, um, Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, they've got, they at this point, they've amassed, uh, uh, I think his team is up to 1500. That's globally. He's got offices in London and Sydney and a few other places. Um, so I would look there, you know, there are so the, th- the thing about Gary is there's so many people competing, uh, to get in his front door that you've really got to either win the lottery or be really on your shit there. And, you know, that's another thing I know you're in school and, you know, perhaps it's not traditional college or whatever, but you know, Gary, they typically don't want people with college degrees because, um, it's you're kind of program. Yeah, you're already programmed and, you know, the fresh, you know, fresh isn't always good, but in many industries, it's better to come in the door with nothing and learn their way than to come in the door. Well, over here, we used to do it like this. Okay, well, you're not over there anymore, buddy. So learn how we do it or get the fuck back over where they are. Um, Right. So, however, however, so number one is Thomas J. Line. Number two is. Uh, Gary V and VaynerMedia or VaynerX, I think is the holding company now because he's gotten so big for his britches, which isn't a bad thing. I have mad respect for Gary V. Uh, but third and most interestingly, and this is a name uh, that you may or may not be familiar. I think you are familiar with it. 
Um, in your geographical area is where this person is headquartered. However, they've really made a name for themselves online, and that is Grant Cardone. Um, Grant Cardone has a digital marketing unit. They are not a digital marketing provider, at least not anymore. Their primary product is the sales of real estate investments and uh, training, sales training for, they started out with car dealerships, but now they're doing um, anyone who wants sales training, they, they provide it. Uh, classes online, you know, all sorts of stuff. But they're based uh, right in your geographic area. Um, and, you know, I, I see... I see a tremendous opportunity there. I think you personally would be a fantastic fit there, especially if you walked in the door and said, Hey, this is me. This is my story. By the way, I would, t I would tell them the whole story of, of you, Jay. And I would say, this is what I'm doing now. And this is how I can help you. I want to start right now. Give me a desk. And I think if you're aggressive, not a, can I please, sir? Oh, that's thing. No, you go in there and say, hi, this is me. This is my story. Listen to what I got to say give me 30 seconds and you give them a 30 second spit pitch. You say, give me a desk. I want to start work right now. That's the type of organization they have. Um, and uh, I think that they're a good order. Yeah, I was, that was dead. That sounds like fun. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I love it. Because worst yeah. case scenario, they say I no. I, yeah. I legit thought about it. Like when I was on one of my lows, and I was pondering my options at the moment. One of the options that popped up in my head was to get suited and booted and go right over there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that would be very well respected, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. Th those are, those are the three companies that I would, uh, you know, I'd recommend. There are many more. There are big companies. There are small companies. There are micro companies. Um, and the truth is, Anyone who's doing this, if they have any business sense at all, uh, mm -hmm. I would encourage them to maybe work for a year or two for somebody else. And then while you're there, observe everything that's not right. <laughs> observe everything that's not correct. Um, and then try to create your own situation, fixing those problems, you know, and the biggest problem with a lot of the agencies and digital marketers are out there right now, whether you're working for somebody else or you're solo or you're working for uh, a, a non-digital marketing company who just needs a digital marketing guy or gal right. is a lot of these people just don't know anything about digital marketing and they just want someone to handle it all. They don't want you to go in there and they hire you and then it's 20 questions every day. No, they just want to say, right. I'm going to pay you X. I need you to do this. Do just do it. Do it. Don't, <laughs> right. Don't ask me about colors and pictures and what do you want this no. to say? And what do you want that to no. say? Send it to me. I'll either approve it or say no. If I say no, then it's wrong. You got to fix it. If I approve it, just roll with it. You know, I, I think people try to make, uh, you know, they try to make the simplest things into rocket surgery. Right. And it is not rocket surgery. Uh, it is a very simple thing. You're providing a service for a client. They're trusting you as the practitioner to know what the hell you're talking about and to do it right. And most importantly, business people want one thing and one thing only, and it is not money. It is time. Time. That's a fact. People want time. So if they hire you, it's because they want to offload some stuff to you 
so they do not have to worry about it. They are willing to spend money to get time. The business of currency in the world is nothing. You and I do it. Everyone does it. The person on the street does it. All people are doing is exchanging money for time. And the turning point for people is when you reach the apex of that and it switches. Many people exchange their time for money. And they do that until one day they're exchanging money for time. That's the whole secret of wealth and success is when you stop trading your time for money and you start trading your money for other people's time, that's success. That's success. I agree. Well said. Well said. Well, thank you so much for answering my questions today, Tom, giving me some minutes out of your day. I definitely learned a lot from you just now. And, you know, is anything you want to put on top just to stamp it? I mean, I I, th- I think I just did. You, you know, I I think that there's a big market right now for people that have the determination to realize that the money is just there in the ether. You just have to grab it. You know, mm-hmm. why do, why do we go to the doctor? Because we need somebody who knows what they're talking about. And a doctor does. Why do we go to a car repair person? Same reason we don't, you know, most of us don't know how to fix our own cars, especially now. So we take our car to somebody who claims to know how to do it. You know, same situation here. You know, people don't know how to best market their business. They got other stuff to worry about clients and deadlines. And I got to do this and I got to do that. And I got to make these widgets and, and, and do this. So they hire people like us to, to take that burden away from them. And the bottom line is the only way that you're going to be able to do that for other people is just to start doing it. Just do it. Just, right. you know, even if it's for free at first, uh, you know, a lot of people do it for free. Yep. Do it for free. Tell somebody, you know what? I'm going to manage your social media for two months for free. No cost to you. And if you like what I do, we'll keep doing it. And this will be the cost. If you don't like what I do, I'll, I'll walk away and that'll be the end of it. You get 10 of those. Uh, anyway, I could talk forever, but you're welcome. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate the opportunity to do that. And uh, yes, yeah. I appreciate you, man. So uh, there you go. The interview with Jay Strawn um, about uh, kind of not just digital marketing, but my uh, little bit of input from me acquired over the years, admittedly some stolen from my mentors, but others just uh, based on experience that I've had over the years. So <clears throat> there you have it. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you uh, found it insightful. Thanks for sticking around. I know this was a long one. Uh, I promise the next one won't be as long. If you have something you would like me to talk about or you have some feedback, please check us out on social media. Thomas J. Lyon official um, on all the Facebooks and the Instagrams and all the everything else is Thomas J. Lyon official. Um, or you can send an email to asktjl at thomasjlion.com. That's Thomas, the letter J, and then a lion with a Y, thomasjlion.com, uh, and we'll get to your question. Or you can also call 585-493-1234, area code 585 Text as well, and uh, we'll get to your question. As always, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Thomas J. Lyon Podcast. Want some more? Ready to take the first step? Check out thomasjlion.com. We'll see you next time.